So uh, what you're talking about is very, very typical for the new beginner. Is that we we try something we're not very good at and then we quit because we get bored with it. And we can do that with anything. We can do that with yeah. juggling. We can do that with tree climbing. We can do that with shooting bow and arrow. We can do that with baseball. And baseball itself inherently is not boring, but people get really bored with it. So they have to understand then that the boredom is coming out of the mind and that the boredom actually is a feeling. And that that feeling of boredom you've had before. It's a familiar feeling for you. Yeah. All right. So what that means is that you're in the habit of being bored. And so you will find yourself bored with many things throughout your life. Mm -hmm. Because you've already gotten in the habit of being bored. So how can you get yourself out of the habit of being bored? Well, I, that's something I hope to. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not sure. All right. Well, what is it like to not be bored? Uh, to be interested. Or All engaged. right. All right. Now we're going someplace. Okay. That in fact, when you started juggling in the beginning, you were interested in it. Yeah. And when it became a little bit of work to do, you became disinterested in it and then bored. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many times have you done that in your life? Become interested in uh, it? Probably huh? thousands. <laughs> All right. And, the, and here you are doing that with meditation also. Yeah. All right. Is it meditation's fault that you got bored? No. No. All right. Another way of saying it is, is that perhaps if you can keep your interest up, then it won't be so boring. Yeah. Well, this interest, this enthusiasm, in fact, when interest becomes enthusiasm, then that means that you'll become successful. Why? Because you're enthusiastic about doing it, that you are, in fact, getting some success that generally boredom comes when you see failure after failure after failure after failure. <laughs> and a lot of people who practice uh, juggling try to do it too hard, too much, and therefore it's too difficult for them. And therefore, because it's too difficult, they get uh, frustrated because they can't do it, and then they become bored with it. But if they would juggle, for instance, get very good at juggling two balls, then adding the third ball will be easier. The example of juggling two balls is you throw this one in the air, and when it's up in the air, you throw this one in the air, and then you catch it in the right hand. And then you throw the right hand ball up, and you catch the left one. And so this is the way to learn to juggle. Trying to juggle with three balls People get bored and they quit. That's why it's so hard to learn juggling. 
actually juggling is not that hard to learn. It's just that people get bored with it because they keep failing at it. Yeah. And they fade that they're failing at it because they're not doing what they want to do. So in a way, we could say that when Anapanasati is practiced correctly, that it's quite a juggling act. The question is, are you going to get successful at it? Or are you going to get bored with it? Mm-hmm. The answer is, if you practice correctly, then you'll get some benefit out of it. Now, one of the uh, the issues about the Mahasi method, about the noting, um, that a lot of students miss, and I think it's partly because somewhere along the line of the teaching, the one of the key ingredients uh, became downplayed, and so in the next generation, it becomes missing completely. And this is the quality of the noting. So let's talk about noting for a moment. And I will use the example of the word not noting, but rather to define it, we'll use the word witness. Okay. Witness has two qualities to it. The first quality of a witness is, is that they have to see what's going on. They were at the scene of the accident, that they, they were at the scene of the robbery or whatever. They saw what happened. That's why they're a witness. They, they were a witness at the scene. Their second kind of witness is the one who, it may be the same person who goes on to the witness stand in court and tells a story about what was seen. Okay. Now let's take that analogy back to our practice of meditation and the noting that we're looking for is the noting in the sense of seeing it, not in the sense of storytelling about it. So that when we see something, we recognize it for what it is. If it's unwholesome, then we're going to drop it. Now, this is something that the Mahasi method generally doesn't talk about because they keep noting to where what we're doing is we're dropping. We're noting it well and let it pass, drop away. We don't need it anymore. Why? Because we're actually going to cultivate something that we do want. And what is that? We're going to cultivate joy. We're going to cultivate gladdening the mind. So when when sati comes, when we wake up, The first thing we do is we do a little investigation. We wake up to see what's going on. What's going on is almost generally that the mind is in hindrance. And we note that. We can see that whatever the mind is doing is probably not the best thing that we could be doing right now. We could be doing something better right now. And we call them hindrances specifically because they hinder us from doing what we want to do. It's basically like this. We're in the habit of being unskillful. We develop that habit throughout our life. And so when it comes time to come out of those habits, it takes a little bit of work. You have to change the way that we're doing things. 
which means we have to wake up to the uh, to the little subtleties and then make a change. Everything about the Anapanasati is about change. It's not about noting. Okay, we have to only note it long enough to recognize that this is not appropriate. Let's throw this out and let's bring something that we want to do into the mind instead. And what you're allowing into your mind is boredom. Boredom is, in fact, an old habit, right? You've been bored many times in your life. Do you want to continue to be bored with things for your whole life? No. All right. So the time to get rid of the boredom is right now. And not worry about boredom into the future, but can you deal with boredom in this very moment? This is what the Anapanasati or the waking up is, is to wake up to see that, oh, I feel bored. Let me do something new so that I won't feel bored. This is the way that we practice. And that um, an important point has to do with gladdening the mind. And the way that we can do that is by saying, aha, I see you boredom. In other words, we actually wake up and pay attention to the fact that I'm bored. Many people go around being bored, but they won't even think about being bored until they're asked or until they reflect upon it. So this is what we have to do is we have to recognize when boredom comes so that we can do something about it right then and there. But what you've been doing in the habit of things, the way that you've been doing things is when you get bored, you stop doing what you were doing before. You don't deal with the boredom. Yeah. Yeah, you just stay bored and then you walk away. You walk away from the meditation, you walk away from the uh, juggling, you walk away from whatever that you think is boring to where in fact the boring is a state of mind that you get into. So we need to start watching for that boredom. Because that boredom is there now. You you mentioned it. That's why, I mean, this is part of the call. Is it all I'm bored with meditation? Right? We need to find a way so that you can get out of that boredom. Because, in fact, there is not one step of Anapanasati is uh, uh, to develop the skill of boredom. Yeah. You're already good at it. But what you need to do then is to wake up to it. And this is the general waking up of the sati, is to remember to come back and be here now. Now, this present moment is not boring. That, in fact, you can look at it like this, is that in the present moment, you've got no problem. In the present moment, unlikely, you're in danger. Look around the room you're in right now. Do do you see any alligators? No. <laughs> are there any Are there any bears with great big claws? No. How about an old Dafiaman with a knife in his hand and his uh, shirts covered with blood? No. No. No hitman. No. No alligators. No. Okay. So so the room itself is relatively safe. Yeah. Do you feel safe? Yeah. Pardon? Yes. 
all right? Mostly boredom is a result of fear. So basically, you could say that when you're bored, that means that at the bottom of the fear that you're bored with or that you're afraid that you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's more to the boredom than just boredom. That in fact, there's another way of looking at boredom. And that is to look at it using the word restless. Yeah. That the mind is restless, that it doesn't have any rest, and it wants to rest. It wants to find an object to rest on, and yet it's not able to find an object to rest on. In other words, the meditation is not satisfying, therefore the mind will not rest upon it, and therefore the mind is agitated and looking for something else to rest on, and the mind is out wandering around. And this is what we call restlessness in in uh, the Pali and in uh, the Buddhist language, but that in Western terminology, we wind up using the word boredom. But boredom is, in fact, restlessness. Okay. That, it, that in fact, you could say that, well, <clears throat> boredom means I've got nothing to do. And the answer is, yeah, but think about that. If you had nothing to do, that's quite marvelous. Now you can just relax. But we don't. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. we don't want to relax. We want to find something to do. Yeah. The mind is restless. It's wandering around. So this is where Anapanasati comes in, is, is that we give the mind an object. And that object in the very beginning is the breathing. To note that it's a long breath, because generally what will happen is, is that if you lose your mindfulness of breathing, then the mind will wander away again, and when it wanders away, it wanders into boredom. But if you can bring uh, the mind back to the breath, with the intention, aha, I'm going to watch the breath. I can do this. That in fact, watching the breath is actually easier to do than juggling if you do it right. Mm -hmm. And that is, is that when that ball comes down, you have to know that it's coming down so that you can catch it. You have to be mindful to have your hand in the right place at the right time so that the ball will fall right into the hand. The same thing is true then with um, uh, Anapanasati, when we, uh, the remembering of the breath. The Mahasi doesn't uh, work with this too much. They do talk about the rising and the falling and the touching and the sitting. Now, the rising is actually the in-breath. The falling is actually the out-breath. The touching is to be aware of the body in everything that it touches, from the seat that you're in to the position of your feet on the floor and what's touching, that's the touch. And then the sitting is more of a proprioceptic. It's the understanding the positions of the body that you know automatically. For instance, when you're laying in bed at night, you know what posture you're in. 
You will know whether you're laying on your back or laying on your side. You will know uh, whether your uh, legs are crossed. Um, whatever the body's posture is, you also know that same posture when you're in sitting meditation. You don't have to open your eyes or look in a mirror to see if you're slouched. But you know that. You can tell it from the inside. So this is the proprioceptic. And this is a good point to recognize that if you're actually watching the rising and the falling and the touching and the sitting, that gives you something to do, something to anchor on so that you won't become bored. But in fact, if you're not doing the meditation, that's when the boredom, the restlessness will come. Also, if we have a very, very light touch on the breathing, then the mind is not really focused on the breathing, and therefore it's very easy for the mind to wander away. But if we have an intention that I'm going to be taking a certain kind of breath, then when we're monitoring and making sure that we're breathing that kind of way, then that takes focus. It takes energy or effort. And also, it gives the mind something to do. And so the way that we look at it is, is that we're going to remember to take a long, deep breath. That long, deep breath takes some sati and some effort. It takes actual parts of the Eightfold Noble Path. It also takes the right view that this is healthy and it's beneficial. Okay, so there's two points of sati with each breath, and that is the in-breath. We note that this is a long breath. That doesn't mean that we have to watch every detail of the breath, but we do note that this is arising because it's a long, deep breath. And then later we begin to note this is falling because it's a long, deep out breath. Rising and falling, we, we note that, and that's two points of sati. If we're actually focusing on the breath to make sure that this is a long breath, and then it's a long out breath. Then um, if the mind wanders away from that, then that's, um, you should be fairly easy or quick to recognize that and wake up. Aha, the mind has wandered away from the breathing. Now, if the breathing is shallow or if we're not really paying much attention to it and certainly we're not controlling it, then it's very easy for the mind to wander away. And when it does wander away, it's now wandering, and for sure, the feeling of boredom is going to arise very quickly. And so if we begin to focus on the breath, then by focusing on the breath and watching the breath and noting the breath, we begin to say, yeah, I can do this. We begin to feel a bit of success. I can do this. All I'm going to have to do is to watch the breath. In the beginning, it's hard to do especially because we're not actually working with controlling the breathing, that we're only just kind of allowing it to happen. And then they say, well, watch the breath while it, you're not actually doing anything with it. And it's hard to remember. It's hard to keep focused. But if we're actually intending to do a long breath on an in-breath and a long breath on an out-breath, then that means that uh, we have a little bit of a job to do, and also that keeps the mind focused. So this is an important quality then of one's right effort.
Yeah, I've yeah I've noticed that when I intentionally do long in breaths and long out breaths, that um, well, like if I'm sleepy, then if I do those kinds of breathing, then I won't be asleep anymore. Like it, it sort of energizes me. In it, but like, yeah, yeah, it does. That in fact, when we do shallow breathing, the uh, the body's not getting as much oxygen as if we're doing the long deep breathing. And one of the things that begins to shut down is the thing that uses the most oxygen, the most energy, and that is the frontal cortex. You can think of the frontal cortex as like a your own personal supercomputer. But you can think of that the alligator doesn't have a supercomputer. All he has is the reptilian brain of an alligator. And yet that alligator can do everything that you can do, that everything that you can do that an alligator does, you do with your reptilian brain. Seeing, hearing, digesting food, heart pumping, uh, wagging tails, walking, swimming, uh, (laughs) eating lizards, all kinds of things. That the reptilian brain can do you do it with your own reptilian brain but you're much more than that and so the reptilian brain has been designed over literally hundreds of millions of years to be very efficient very fast that that in the jungle in the in the swamp things are dangerous and danger can come up very quickly And so our reaction time has to do with the reptilian brain. How fast can we react to danger? Right? But the frontal cortex has much more to do. It has to actually reason, put things together, and begin to understand. An example of that would be that the alligator does not ever do very well on an SAT. (laughs) The alligator sometimes can't even get his name spelled right. (laughs) And so now we begin to see, oh, that means that if I'm going to be fully awake, I'm going to have to have a fully oxygenated blood flow. And you just mentioned that, that when you're breathing well, you don't get tired, you don't get so sleepy. Now, it's also possible that you are breathing well, and that you can focus for a while, and then eventually the mind will get tired anyway. The brain will get tired. We get tired of doing anything, even what we're good at. Even if you're um, uh, uh, Arnold lifting weights, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all right? Now that he's been governor for years and now no longer even a governor, He can't do in the gym what he used to do unless he goes back to the gym. Okay, so uh, that that building up of the the muscle, things will atrophy and go back to normal. And this is also true with meditators, that if you practice meditation and bring things up and get some success, generally what the meditators will do is say, okay, I can take it easy now. I've got all the sati and effort and everything I need. And then they wind up back in misery again. 
Why? Because of the same process. And, and in fact, they haven't really fully developed yet. And so this development process means that we have to be able to take and focus the mind on something and we're working with the breath. This is why it's called Anapanasati. Ana is actually the in-breath and Pana is the out-breath. And it's exactly the same word as in the Sanskrit, which we call pranayana. You've probably heard of the word pranayana before. Yeah. That pranayana and anapana are the same thing. That R is uh, uh, the different. But the other part is, is that they're backwards. Ana is the in-breath, prana is the out-breath, and pranayana is the out-breath followed by the in-breath. So it's just different way of speaking. But it's the same thing. And with the pranayana, you know that they go full into the breathing. And we should learn to do that also, is to, to learn to control the breathing for both the long breath and the short breath. But in the beginning, we start working with just the long breath. With the long breath, you can, in fact, get in touch with the body. The rising, falling, touching, sitting is actually the body. It's the th step three of Anapanasati. But one thing that we need to do along with that is to take the effort and put it in another direction. So we need two kinds of right effort in the beginning. One is the effort of taking the long breath, deep in the in-breath and deep on the out-breath, nice and long and slow. And then the other part of it is, is to gladden the mind. Now, what we mean by gladdening the mind is, is to change the content of the mind, because we can. That in fact, step 13 of Anapanasati is actually the word anicca. Everything is changing. Everything is constantly in flux, which means that you have a, an easy opportunity to change what's in the mind. In fact, when the mind is wandering away, it's naturally changing. Is wandering from this to that, to this, to that. Sometimes it'll get stuck in just kind of a loop, but then it goes just wandering around. It's very much like a, a monkey that's jumping from tree to tree to tree to tree. This is actually part of uh, uh, old Buddhism for many, many centuries. They have had the concept of the monkey mind which is nothing but the wandering mind. The mind just wanders around. We're going to start to do something new, and in fact, we're going to be focusing it from whatever it wanders around to, and we can just say, aha, I see that the mind is wandering. And then we're going to bring it back and say, but I can feel good now because I want to. This is the quality of gladdening the mind. The Buddha said it, aha, I see you, Myra which means I see you wandering mind, or I see you doing something that is not conducive to being wholesome. In fact, what the mind is doing is something unwholesome. And so the gladdening the mind is actually beginning to do something wholesome. Basically, what we're saying is we're going to put a smile on the mind. This is going to take a bit of effort because you have not been spending a lot of your time being joyful. You've been spending yeah. a lot of your time being bored. Yeah. 
So when you get those boring thoughts come up, you can say, wait a minute, I don't have to be bored. Unless you want to be. I assume that you... <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, well, if you, if you don't want to be bored, then why do you spend so much time in boredom? The answer is because you're in the habit of it. It's just an old bunch of junk, and you keep doing the same thing over and over again. So the sati now is to wake up to that. To wake up to this boredom, to wake up to whatever the mind is doing, so that we can throw that stuff out and put something in the mind that's wholesome. This is, in, in fact, this, this is possibly the easiest way to describe the entire teaching of the Buddha, which he defines in, in just three words of dukkha, dukkha naroda. You can also think of it in the sense of wholesome and unwholesome. To throw out the unwholesome right now and bring in wholesome thoughts is exactly the same thing as throwing out the dukkha and coming into a state of dukkha naroda. And we keep practicing that over and over and over again. A lot of people think that, oh, if I do meditation, that eventually I'll get some value out of it. And so they work yeah. really hard. They'll go in and they'll meditate and they'll have boredom and they'll be bored for a long time. But they'll tell themselves, you know, someday this meditation that I'm doing will pay off. Yeah. But you know what it's paying off is? It's paying off is just more boredom because that's what you're practicing. So you're getting very skilled at boredom. We need to practice something new, something that you're not skilled at, but if you keep doing it, you'll gain skill at it. Just like if you keep juggling, you will eventually gain a bit of skill at it. So... Uh, the skill that we need to develop is the skill of gladdening the mind, making the mind sharp, making it bright. Because, in fact, you can think the thoughts that you want to think, right? Then why don't you? The answer is because I don't remember. I don't remember, and therefore the old habits just take over. But if I remember that I can, in fact, feel good, then we can take that deep breath and say, yeah, I can feel good. Well, I'd rather feel good than feel bored. This is what we mean by brightening the mind, that we have to brighten the mind or gladden the mind. And this is, um, every thought moment doesn't last very long. It's a split second. And that every human being's mind is built so that we can only do basically one thing at a time. Now, that's not exactly true because we're actually quite sophisticated and that some things we can, in fact, do uh, that appear to be more than one thing at a time. All right. Like juggling, for instance, if you really think about the juggler, he's got a lot to do. But basically much of the juggling winds up being hand memory. That it's his hands that do the memory. All he has to do is one thing, and that is keep his eye on the ball that's about to fall. All right, so that's the same way with our mind, that we cannot, in fact, have entertain or have two simultaneous thoughts at the same time, one of them wholesome and one of them unwholesome. 
If we have a wholesome thought, we naturally throw out whatever unwholesome thought was there before. And then pretty soon we can go from wholesome to wholesome to wholesome to wholesome to where right now the habit patterns of your mind is without any sati, you move from one unwholesome to unwholesome to unwholesome to unwholesome wandering mind and it winds up being boring. Part of the reason that it's boring is because you've been doing the same old thing over and over and over again for years now. Of course it's gotten boring. Time to do something new. Yeah. And that and that newness is is that I'm not going to be bored. I'm going to in fact pay attention to the breath. I'm going to make sure that the room is safe and be here now. There's no danger. There is nothing to be afraid of at all. And I do not care whether I'm bored or not. I'm just going to have fun instead. Okay, and so the fun that we're having is the fun of having wholesome thoughts, joyful thoughts, and entertaining thoughts. And that we begin to build up enthusiasm. That in fact, enthusiasm is quite the opposite of boredom. And what do we become enthusiastic about? The enthusiasm is I can tell myself to feel good. And I can feel good. So one of the ways that I say this is is that you have been spending all of these years training yourself in feeling bored, training yourself into having unwholesome thoughts, training yourself into not being joyful. If you can talk yourself into being in bad feelings, then you can talk yourself into feeling good if you remember to talk to your talk yourself into feeling good. And if you don't remember to talk yourself into feeling good, then you're going to revert back to the feeling bad that you've been telling yourself to do for the past 20 years or more. And yeah. so now is the time to develop a new habit. And that new habit is I feel good. And that there are many things that we can do for that. In uh, in the Tibetan system, they will use tonkas or visual images. Hello. Oh, oh, you're coming back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you you cut off at the Tibetans using tankas or visual images. Right. The tankas are used um, for uh, the imagery of the deity that has good attributes, and by uh, uh, meditating on the tanka, you gain and think about the attributes of the one who is uh, the deity in the Tonka. Another way that we can do that is with sounds, that we can uh, actually allow music that is joyful music. 
and you can give yourself songs to sing that are joyful. An example would be uh, uh, zippity doo da, zippity a, oh my, oh my, what a wonderful day. All right. Another one, in fact, I've got a name for it. It's called the James Brown Meditation. Do you know James Brown? He died already, but he was a rock star. And one of the songs he had was, I feel good. Like I knew I would now. I feel good. All right. So that would be a James Brown meditation. Let's hear you do the James Brown meditation. Let's see how good at you are. Okay. Now? <laughs> I, right now. I feel good. <laughs> okay. Right. So you remember that when you get bored, you can say, I don't have to be bored. I can be James Brown. I can do the James Brown meditation. I can feel good. Yeah. When you're feeling good like that, are you bored? Not likely. No. <laughs> Not at all. All right. So this is how we need to approach it, because you see, the boredom doesn't come from the practice of meditation. The boredom comes because that's your habit. And that you can break that habit. But not don't think of it for the long term, but think of it for just this very moment. Right now, I can change that boredom. If you keep changing it, if you have those right now moments over and over and over again, then you're, uh, first off, you're not going to be bored in that particular moment. But also you're beginning to change the habit. Now you're spending more and more of your time feeling good. Allow yourself to feel good. Then in fact, that's what sukha is, is the word for. The word sukha is the exact opposite of the, of the Pali word dukkha. And so dukkha and Dukkha Naroda, the Dukkha Naroda is Sukha. And so Sukha means pleasure, or it means satisfying, or it means satisfaction. Literally, I feel good, as opposed to I feel bored. Yeah. And so when that feeling of boredom comes, Dukkha, we can change that into no, I feel good. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to change my mental attitude that I can do this. But you see, the, the attitude of boredom also has the attitude of failure or the, the attitude of what's the point or what's the use. And so um, a part of Anapanasati and in fact a major part of the Eightfold Noble Path is to develop right attitude. And boring is not right attitude. Boring is, in fact, the, uh, the attitude of a loser or of a victim. And you're not a victim. You're not a loser. It's time you give yourself credit for the fact that you're a winner. Why are you a winner? Because you can, in fact, take a long, deep breath. That's a point right there. You're not out of control. You can control your breathing. You can control the thoughts in your mind, and the thought that you're going to have is, I feel good. Allow yourself to feel good. 
right now. Feel good. Take a deep breath and feel good. I see a slight smile. I don't see a really big one. All right. Now you're beginning to feel good. Now I got it. Okay. Allow yourself to feel good. This is what we mean by gladdening the mind. Talk yourself into feeling good. This is a really nice day. Look how marvelous it is. Everything is great. The only miserable thing around here is me. (laughs) And I don't have to be. That I can change. That's a major, major um, point. Is that you are not fixed. You see, all the religions and many things in our society teach us that we cannot change. Examples of that is leopards don't change their spots. Fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. In religions, it talks about it from the sense of um, original sin. And that you can't fix yourself. You need a savior. You need a boss. You need an outside authority to tell you how to feel. You can't save yourself. You've got to have a savior. This is what religion is all about, right? Guess what? Nobody's going to save you from your own boredom. Only you can do that. And you can. You see, that message that they're giving us from the religion is, is that you can't change. This is what we get is the idea is the, uh, the idea of an eternal soul or an eternal self. But with, within the context of the teachings of the Buddha, we recognize that that's not true. That the personality is not fixed. There is no abiding entity or abiding essence in there that prevents you from being changed. So, in fact, we even reinforce that delusion when we say, I am bored. But we make it even worse when you say, it's boring, because that means that we're now giving the inherent quality of boredom to an object. Because that's all we can see. But when you recognize, oh no, boredom is just a state of mind that I have gotten myself into the habit of being, but I don't have to be in that state of mind. That I can change. That is the number one teaching. The first important teaching of the Buddha is is that you can change. This is in fact the whole point of the second noble truth. The cause of suffering. An example of that is the cause of suffering. Uh, 2004, in December of 2004, out in the Adamant Sea, there was a tsunami. A big earthquake at sea that caused a tsunami that hit Phuket and killed thousands and thousands of people. Now, the ordinary mindset will say, oh, that tsunami was dukkha. It caused so much damage and killed so many people. But there is actually videos, more than one on YouTube now, that talks about the uh, the elephant trainers 
because the elephants knew that that tsunami was coming and they all went uh, to the hills. The people didn't. The only people who went to the hills were the, were the, uh, the, um, uh, the elephant trainers because the elephants, they're going. They know that it's stupid to stay on the beach. So, did the tsunami cause the elephants suffering? No. Why? Because they woke up. They could tell that something was coming. So the suffering itself is not inherent in the tsunami itself. This is really important for us to begin to understand that God didn't do it to us. That we do it to ourselves. And so that second noble truth is moba loba dosa, moha loba dosa, which means that uh, we cause our own suffering. Our own suffering is caused because of our own greed, our own ill will, and our own ignorance. In this case, our own boredom means that we just don't like things. But now it's time for you to wake up to that boredom, to not live in that boredom ignorantly, but to wake up. And when you wake up to see the boredom, you can say, wait a minute, I do have a choice. I don't have to feel that way. That I am, in fact, responsible for the way that I feel. And that if I can wake up, I can feel the way I want to. And you already know that you can feel good. I just watched you. It was a little tough, but yeah, there you go again. <laughs> All right. So that's what we're going to be looking for is how can you gladden the mind to get yourself into feeling really good? To take those deep breaths and be alive and be here now and enjoy this moment. This is the way that, that you would practice. So that you actually begin to look forward to practice. And when I mean that, I don't mean I look forward to three hours from now, I'm going to go sit on the floor. No, it means right now, I want to take a deep breath and feel good. That's the practice, not sitting on the floor and, and doing a formal meditation. That's not the practice. The practice is, is to wake up and to feel good. And this is very, very carefully mapped out in Anapanasati Sutta, that this joy is a primary ingredient to gladden the mind and bring the, 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 the mental frame set into a state of satisfaction, into a state of pleasure, into a state of joy. And you can literally talk yourself into it. And that talking yourself into it is the gladdening of the mind. With that comes now the fourth ingredient, and that fourth ingredient, along with uh, the right view of in the investigation, what am I doing? The, uh, the right sati, to wake up, to look at what's going on, and then the right effort. You put those three together, and you begin to get some success, and with that success comes right attitude. And that attitude is, I can do this. The attitude, I can feel good. The attitude of, I can be a winner. And so this is also part of the practice, the skill of becoming a champion. 
the champion of what? The champion of my own deep in breath right now. I'm the champion here. And so this is the way that we can practice. And if you can understand this the way that I'm talking about it, then you will gain some enthusiasm for it. You'll gain some eagerness. You'll gain um, inspiration is another word that we can use. Yeah, I could do that. Hmm? Can you do this? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. So we can consider this then a successful session between the two of us, that you can do it. Because yeah. when you called, oh, I can't do it. Oh, this is boring. Oh, poor me. Let's have a pity party. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're going to have a real party instead. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Omar, do you have any questions about how to practice now? Um. Hmm. No, I think I'm okay. Well. Don't work too hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it. I know what to do. Yippity doo dah. I know what to do. <laughs> I feel good. That's what I do. All right. Well, go try that for a couple of times. Give it a good go. Try it throughout the day also. This is something that a lot of people don't understand. They think that meditation is all about the cushion. No, meditation is all about waking up and being happy. And so you can practice that on and off the cushion throughout the day. But when you're sitting on the floor, sitting in on your cushion, doing your uh, normal practice of meditation, Make sure that this is what you're doing, taking deep, long in-breaths, gladdening the mind, telling yourself, wow, meditation is really enjoyable. I really like it. This is, I feel really safe and secure and satisfied. I, I, okay, I, I guess I want to talk about, like, uh, how, how do I say it? Uh, yeah, like the whole, um, I don't have to be doing it only on the cushion, but I can do it throughout the day. I, I, I often, like, I, I, I want to practice more, and, you know. You've only got doing, 24, that's all I've got. Everybody's got the same clock. Uh, yeah, so. So the answer is, well, when do you do it? The answer is when you remember to do it. It's all about the sati. Yeah. And the more often you remember to do it, then the skill of sati is developing so that the more often you'll have sati. So if you want to practice more, practice right now. Yeah. Ah, feel good. Okay. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I like that. <laughs> yes, you are. You feel good. Okay, Omar. We'll see you in the next couple of days. Go practice. Go practice. Okay. Enjoy. Okay. Practice enjoying your life.
Okay, I will. If you don't practice enjoying your life, it's going to be a boring life. <laughs> we'll see you later. Yeah, see you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.